Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's either it's one of two things. It's, this is a black or white. It's either underperforming or it's a poor roster. And that's on me again. So I'm hoping it's underperforming. And if it is, then we can work together and get out of it. If it's not underperforming, this is just the ability that they have then we're going to get to that part I don't want to get to was to seeing, you know, can we place certain players in different groups and try and gain assets to to go into a, uh, a rebuild. And I, I, you know, or I'm sorry, re-whatever. Re you, you use the, the word after re. All week long here on the Balloon Party, Chris Kerber filling in for Tim McKernan. All week long we've been finding just really simple, easy comparisons. Okay, so remember, those that don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Okay, so recent history of the St. Louis Blues can help you Cardinal fans get through this season. That was Doug Armstrong very, very early in the season during that first losing streak. And he said, we're going to find out. And, but the one thing he did say, and this, this is, I think this is why Doug Armstrong, I'm not going to say gets a pass, but has just has earned the respect, and like John Mozeliak has. I mean, look, this is the first real tough year for John Mozeliak. All right, so I'm just going to – here's here's my thoughts for, for fans out there calling for his head. Calm down and deal with it. Like, calm down and deal with it. You've had a hell of a – okay, by the way, so welcome into Friday. It's the balloon party. Uh, today, we, we had a plan of attack of how we're going to approach the show. It's only one hour. But – Here's the plan for this next hour. It's ADHD radio. Stream of consciousness. If, if I, I may start a sentence on one topic and finish it on the other. But the one thing I do know is at 10.15, we've got Tim Taylor coming up. Blues Director of Player Personnel. The Blues announcing this morning that they've signed Dalibor Dvorsky to a three-year contract. Entry-level contracts are two-way contracts. But he's, he's 18 years of age. He doesn't turn 19 until June. All right? So the likelihood of playing in the National Hockey League next year... In my opinion, not high, not good, and not expected. I could be wrong. So we'll talk with Tim Taylor about that. If he does not play here, he'll play in the Swedish League, the Swedish Hockey League, which was also the Swedish Elite League. Um, what does that mean? Swedish Elite League, evaluating players in that league, it's it's a real challenge because offensive numbers don't pop. Then they get to the NHL and they pop. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. All right, I told you, random stream of consciousness. You heard Doug Armstrong there talking about Kind of evaluating, and we'll see where we get to. Cardinals are there. If you listen to Martin Kilcoin's interview with John Mosaylock, John Mosaylock's there. Well, I don't know that I want to going to raise the right ways. Yeah, okay. I went Elmer Fudd now on a Friday <laughs> for you too. I don't know that I want to raise the white flag. There we go. Right. You know, but okay. No, raise it. So 
Here is, in my opinion, the one thing the Cardinals cannot do as they start the second half of this season tonight against a team worse than they are. And that's important for this comment. Here's the one thing the Cardinals cannot do that the St. Louis Blues did. And again, these the comparisons of these two seasons, both teams went into seasons with really good expectations. If you're the Blues, you felt like you were going into that season with one final run. Then you were hoping maybe you'd add on, and it never it never happened. Never came to be. The Blues were counting on the next generation of young players to step up and fuel them and put them over the top. It didn't happen. Cardinals, same thing. And yeah, you have good offense, but you still need those young players to step up and do it. Not one young player for the Cardinals, on a pitching standpoint, has stepped up. We have three starting pitching positions wide open for you. Take it. Take it. Nah, I don't want it. Or they're not good enough to want it. Or they're not good enough to take it. Maybe they want it, but they're not good enough to take it. All right? Same thing. All right? Robert Thomas and Jordan Kyrie last year, yeah, offensive numbers were good, but the all-around play wasn't where it needed to be. The, the, the inexperience. It happens. It takes time to grow, right? Okay. But here's the one thing that the Cardinals cannot do that the Blues did. And you don't want to do what the Blues did, in my opinion. The St. Louis Blues, throughout the first half of the season, screwed up winning. Then, the second half of the season, they screwed up losing. The Cardinals, through the first half of the season, have screwed up winning. Don't get hair on your chest. Don't start eating the Wheaties now and screw up losing in the second half of the season. It's not worth it. You do not have a championship team. All right, now, here's what I fully expect people to, fans are going to go, wait a minute, Curbs, halfway through the season, the Blues were in dead last place in 2019. They won to get, yeah, that team was different. I mean, that team was so underperforming what they really have. This pitching staff is performing pretty much to expectations, okay? So let's let's not compare the two so much there. The reality is this Cardinal team is much more like the 22-23 Blues team than it was the 2018-2019 team, all right? So here's what I mean by don't screw up losing now. We've been so, we've been treated as Cardinal fans to such a great run. I mean, a 20-year run of good competitive baseball. You're not going to always win the last game of the year. Only one team does that. But you know every year you've gone in with the with the thrill, the excitement, knowing our team's going to be competitive. That should never be forgotten. All right? And eventually those cycles are going to catch up to you because you're not drafting high, you're trying to make, okay? And then when you do, and, and the, the key is, is when you're in that, where you're, you're middle of the pack, the lower end of the pack, every year when you're drafting and developing players, you've got to get your Robert Thomases late in the first round, your Jordan Kairos in the second round, your Colton Parecos in the third round, your Jordan Bennington's. You've got to get those with the David Backus in the second round. You've got to get those kind of players, right? Tyler Tucker, keep my fingers crossed, in the seventh round, Okay. Sammy Blay played a role in that cup run, sixth run. You got to get those guys to impact your roster. You can't make the mistakes in evaluation that the Cardinals have made that 
you know, John Mosellac clearly owns. And you are, you might make one or two every now and then. You can't make as many mistakes on the evaluation side as they did, and then the equal number of mistakes on the free agent signing as the Cardinals have made. And a lot of them are huge, egregious mistakes. So you got to blow up whatever whatever thought process took you in that mode has totally taken you down the wrong path, which could include your manager. All right? But since you're there, get the higher draft pick. The Cardinals actually have a chance for one of the highest draft picks they've had in ages. I'm okay if we hose the second half of the season and go get it. I'm, I'm perfectly fine if that's the case this year. Because you're not going to trade Arenado. You're not going to trade Goldschmidt. If you read Derek Gould this morning, he's been told by some people that the Cardinals have said that that obviously Walker and Newpar are not available. You can still get some other pieces. You have a core where you don't have to go into the depths of hell like the Cubs and these other teams have done forever. You don't have to do that. But at some point, you also do have to think about winning. And the one other thing that you've got to be careful with, and it's going to go fly in the face of what I just said, but I'm okay. Don't get hot and all of a sudden screw up what could be a really important piece from a drafting standpoint. That's what the Blues did. Now, look, they get Dvorsky. We're going to talk to Tim Taylor about him. With the way the draft was this year, if, if the same, it was the same draft as a year ago, it may not be that way, right? This was a deep draft. I still would have rather seen the Blues had a top-five draft pick this year than the 10th. That's what I want to see with the Cardinals in the second half. That's what I want to see. Don't Okay, you've screwed up winning in the first half. Don't screw up losing in the second half. As Cardinal fans will take it on the chin because the reward is going to be better on the back end. I'll come back to this in a little bit, but we got to take a break. Dalibor Dvorsky signed his entry-level contract. Tim Taylor, the Blues Director of Player Personnel, who runs the prospect camp, is going to give us an idea of where certain expectations should be when it comes to a player like that. That's next on the Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Friday morning ADHD radio here on the balloon party I know what we're going to talk about this segment because Tim Taylor is going to join us after that what do you want to see as the blues captain of the St. Louis Blues next year I'm going to go with the assumption I believe that the team should name a captain. I'm not a fan of the captain by committee, the rotating thing. Um, because I actually believe structure in the locker room and and having that one voice if you need it is critically important. And I actually believe that that's critically important to development of players, of young players. Because it gives them a level of structure, security, whatever it may be. If somebody to go to in the room. Sometimes when you when you do it by committee, you want to see who steps up. That's eh, okay, but it, I, I don't think you see winning teams do that very much at all. So uh, you could throw it in on the Air Comfort Service text line at three nine 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 six four six YouTube channel at one hundred one ESPN SDL. Uh, who, who do you want to see as the next captain of the St. Louis Blues? And uh, got some other things there, and, and we're calling this ADHD radio because my mind's in about eighty different directions, and I I don't drink caffeine. 
So this is this is all natural. I okay, it, whatever caffeine might be in an iced tea. I love iced tea, but outside of that, I don't drink caffeine. Tim Taylor, Blues Director of Player Personnel, slides in to join us here this morning. Tim, thanks for giving us the time and joining us on some ADHD radio. No problem, Curbs. How are you doing? Man, I'm I'm doing great. Uh, I actually was in Italy uh, during prospect camp, so I was following on social media the best I can. So sorry I missed you while you you guys were in camp. But now that you've had a chance to to process it, uh, what did you think and how do you view the prospect camp of 2023? Well, yeah, I'll tell you what, Curbs. It's uh, the most exciting time I've had uh, since being with the Blues with our young prospects. Uh, This is the biggest crop we've ever had. We've had a a lot of depth with our, our prospects. Uh, a lot of star players, a lot of players that are B prospects. When we say B prospects, top six forwards, top four D. So, um, really optimistic of where this uh, organization is going. Uh, it, it's just that we have a, a, a surplus of, of young players that are, are ready to make their mark as a Blues player. Tim, and your decade plus with the St. Louis Blues, and your experience as a player in the National Hockey League as well. What can you tell now? about a prospect, a player, that gives you more confidence that this player will hit the mark of, say, a a top six player or a top four defenseman now than maybe you would have thought and and how you viewed things, say, 10 years ago when you were a little newer into the role? Well, I I think now the way the league's going, it's a a very young league, and you need your players like the the Kairos, the Thomases, to take a a step and and, and be your top top line forwards. And we're seeing that more so with every team now. Uh, the better teams have their young players as star players and, and taking more prominent roles at, at a younger age. Uh, I think the salary cap is a, the biggest issue with that. You're trying to get young guys coming in because they make the least amount of money. and You're trying to make them, uh, give them important roles right away and, and, and really you want to grow with those guys. I look at with, with Kane, and, uh, Kane and Taves in Chicago. That team grew with them. Obviously, three Stanley Cups later, uh, with, with Taves being the ultimate captain, that's what teams are trying to do now and and um you know i, I look at, at where we're headed in a direction with with, with robert and, and jordan Cairo and you know young players and, and the new players that we brought on board to the draft this year with tony uh Felter and his staff did a heck of a job and obviously uh doug with the draft and it was uh it, it's we're at we're at a point now with, with our with our organization that we're all very very excited obviously we're, it was a down year last year but this team's ready to take another step get back in the playoffs and, and really fight for another championship you know what? Uh, you brought something up in that answer there that it, it, it's something that I that I always kind of that I kind of remember. And and for, for folks, for those that don't know, and 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 maybe don't remember Tim Taylor as much. It's funny because I say that because I, I got a producer here in Grand Francis wearing an Arenado twenty eight jersey, and I said, "What are you wearing a Tommy Hurd jersey?" And he goes, "Who's Tommy Hurd?" Well. I mean, Tommy Hurst stopped playing seven years before Grant was born. So I got to remember sometimes who some of the listeners is. But, you know, Tim played 13 seasons in the National Hockey League and, and won two Stanley Cups, was part of a cup with Detroit, was part of a cup with Tampa Bay. You brought up the fact that because of the salary cap, you know, you you almost have to bring young players along. And I remember during that 4 5 lockout, Tim, and you, were, you remember obviously being with Tampa Bay at the time, one of the arguments the players – had the appellers association had against the salary cap is that it was going to force older players out of the league probably earlier than they they needed to be that's clearly happened you're going to have your haves and your have nots uh in terms of contracts and then you can't afford to play other players that's happened and then it's brought young players and probably put them into the league 
maybe even a little bit earlier than they needed to be, and that's happened. So really some of the concerns of the Players Association back in 0405, now that we've had the salary cap as long as we had, it, it's it's played out quite, you know, quite accurately. Yeah, I would say that, but you also have to believe, like, again, I'm, I'm talking on two sides of the fence here. One is a player because I was a player rep for our Camp Bay Lightning team at that time, and now being a management, you see both sides, and you see kind of the way that the game has gone. Obviously, with younger players, the game has got quicker and faster, and it you bring that, that, that um innocence in the, back in the game and you've pushed older players out that you before that you've had to pay because they've done something for you now you're paying on 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 what young players can do for you it used to be free agency was you're paying what a guy used to do or what he's done in the past mm-hmm. and sometimes that always didn't work out i think the better chance now is hitting on guys that, that you're paying for his future and the, now the league has recognized that again you were exactly right it was to to really uh, it, it was that, that pyramid type thing where the, the top guys are going to get paid and then you're going to have the bottom guys, which are the rookies coming in the league. And then you're going to have guys, if you want to keep playing, you're going to have to stay at the bottom. And, and really, at the end of the day, you're going to make your money as a player. And, and as an older player, you've got to decide, now now's the time to win. Do you want to be in a championship team? Do you want to be a team that you can prolong your career and say, instead of playing 800 games, play 1,000 because you take league minimum and then you have a chance to win a Stanley Cup. I think players realize they, when they get in the league as a young player, you don't realize how hard it is and how t- difficult it is to play in the playoffs. And then, you know, get a couple years here, and I, I had the luxury I played with Detroit. My first four years in the league, we, I was Stanley Cup Finals two times, one at once, and the Conference Finals the other two times. So it was just like I thought it was forever. I go to Boston, and, and we lose out in the first round, then we win this next one, we win, and we win the first round go to New York and we don't make the playoffs two years in a row. Go to Tampa, luckily we get to the Stanley Cup, but we had a couple years didn't make the playoffs and three years we got out in the first round. So you don't realize, and Dave Anderschuk, uh played 22 years in the National Hockey League, was a Hall of Fame player. His first time ever being in, in the finals was in 2003, 2004, in Tampa Bay. His first time ever, 22 years. Wow. So as players, you got to realize it, 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 it it's, you want to win, and you think you're going to get there all the time, but the real estate, you're not, and you've got to take advantage of it. So now older players realize to stay in the league, you want to go to good teams, you want to win. It's a very difficult league. It's a very tough league. As you know, you've, you've, you've witnessed it firsthand with, in 2019 with our team going to the Stanley Cup Finals here, what it takes to win, and, and, and the guts, and, 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 and you know you need good balances, you need, you need longevity with it without injuries within the playoffs. It's just a very difficult trophy to win, and I think as you get older, uh, older players realize that, and that's why, you know, and, and how this pyramid's built again, we're going back to the salary cap, is that you've made your money early as a player, as an older player, and now you're just trying to win. And you realize what winning's all about. That really defines your career. Yeah, I love that part. Uh, okay, let's go back to the prospects. Uh, Dalibor Dvorsky signs his, his entry-level contract. He's 18 years of age. Yeah, you can play in the National Hockey League at 18. It's European players could go to the American Hockey League, but it is such a difficult, difficult road when you're that young playing in the American Hockey League. If he doesn't play here and were to go back to, to Sweden, how do you assess what a player like that could do be and and what are certain expectations from your perspective you have going into camp for him well you know what what we want is is him to have a really productive year take another step in his development obviously get with age and maturity getting a little bit bigger a little bit stronger he's got really deceptive speed his foot speed he he takes off and and you don't think he's lightning quick but yet he's by a d and 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 
he, he can make that move. He, he, he's uh, very deceptive. Uh, strong lower core. Uh, he's got a great shot and, and really sees the game well. I, I think that's it. We say hockey IQ, but he's just a very smart hockey player. Uh, he reads and anticipates very well. And, you know, this year for him is just taking that another step, taking that step to be a pro. Uh, he's going to play the Swiss Elite League this year. Uh, and he's, and, and we, we feel that league is very good for development of players. He's going to get lots of ice time, be one of the top uh, six players there. So he's going to get first or second power play time. He's going to play against some really good players. It's a very difficult league to play in as an eight-year-old, uh, but he had a good taste of it here as a seven-year-old, and, and, and they expect him, and we expect the same thing, is that he's going to take another step this year. Looking forward to watching him uh, here in the next month as uh, Sweden comes over and plays uh, um, U.S. and Finland in the uh, World uh, Junior World Championship uh, Evaluation Camp in Plymouth, uh, Michigan. So really looking forward to him uh, seeing what he can do this year and taking that step at a pro level. Who else uh, looked good for you and stood out for you at Prospect Camp? Well, you know what, Curbs, again, going back, we, we had a, a really good draft. All the three first-round picks, uh, three first-round uh, first picks, all played really well, uh, as did everyone that we, we drafted this year. Um, but I'm going to single one guy out in particular, because this guy's had a, a, a heck of a road the last year and a half, and that's Tanner Dickinson. As you know, he broke his leg, his femur, um, in a game in the, in the OHL. Uh, I think it was January of 2022. And, and basically, he's had a year and a half of, of missing hockey. He's had two different surgeries. The first surgery they did that night in Sault Ste. Marie, they did a really good job. It wasn't the job they did. They did everything they, possible. It was right. He had a stunted growth in his leg. I mean, mm-hmm. the bone wasn't growing around the rod that was put in. So he had to get that, take, that rod taken out, re-drilled uh, through his femur, oh. and a larger rod put in. Set him back, obviously, nine, nine to ten months. And this kid had come back, and he was phenomenal at, at uh, develop, uh, development camp. His skating was so much better. He's put on weight. He looks stronger. He, he just looked like a very competent kid and a very hungry kid. Uh, and I, I, I felt for him because we tried to do everything we could. I'll tell you, Chris Thorborn now works on our development staff. He did a heck of a job throughout the year, keeping in contact with him, getting him into uh, Springfield to, to be with our training staff there, just getting the monotony of, of going through his, his, his uh, rehab taking him out of that environment and, and, and just trying to help keep his, his spirits up. And he sent them videos of, of him, you know, scoring goals with Sault Ste. Marie to, to our Stanley Cup run and kind of here's where you are, here's where you think you can get to. So uh, Thor did a really good job of this, keeping this kid's spirits up. But I was really, really happy for, for, for Tanner. Uh, he's come a long way, and he sees the light of the tunnel. And, and uh, you know, now it's, uh, it's time for him to, to turn pro this year. So we're really excited for him. And I, I really want to just point him out just because of what he's gone through. Yeah. And, again, I'm not discrediting anyone else because we had such a good development camp, and we had a lot of uh, really good players. Uh, I was really excited about everyone. Really, at the end of the day, no one disappoints you at these camps. You're not there to make the team. What we are there for, especially newly drafted kids, is just to get a baseline of where they're at. Show them the city. Get them used to our staff get them their workout programs, and then feed them the expectations when they do come back the next time, here's your level we want you at. So it, it's really uh, introductory to our organization, introductory to pro hockey, uh, and to see where they're at and, and get some feedback. But we were really pleasantly surprised with, with, with I would say, a lot of the guys, uh, and it was a great group. Wrapping up with Tim Taylor here, Blues Director of Player Personnel here on uh, the Balloon Party this morning on a Friday morning. And Tim, I want to go back real quick to Dvorsky on something. 
the Swedish the Swedish league is an interesting one for me when I when you look at, at things because like you go back and you look at the numbers for example of Henrik and Daniel Sedin two Hall of Famers guys had amazing careers and in the Swedish elite league you know kind of they're they're point of game guys or you look at Swedish players or players that have played in that league that come over and offensive numbers don't jump out at you like like they do with Alec, with with Bolduk for example with Zach Bolduk and you know in a hundred points in a sixty eight game season kind of thing. Um, what is it about that league over in Sweden that either the offense is not quite like what it is, but also from an evaluation standpoint, still tells you that this is a good, this guy could be a really good offensive player when when the numbers don't pop, maybe like they do in other young leagues. Well, I, again, you're, you're talking when you say young leagues, that, that, that CHL is a very young league, right? You're talking about sixteen year old to twenty year old. When you're talking about the Swedish Elite League, you're talking about men that are talking playing pro hockey. Right. That, that, that's their career, right? And, and it's a very well-coached league. Um, defense is, is, is critical. Uh, I think don't think a lot of people realize that talking about European hockey, you think of the, the Russian five that I had the luxury of playing with in, in, in uh, Detroit, but you, you think about all those past teams and, and how offensively they were, and creative they were. But at the end of the day, they never give up the puck. They, they, and it's a very well-coached uh, uh, system over there. Um, it's a bigger ice service, so it, it, it's very tight checking. Uh, and, and you're taught to be a pro. Uh, coaches lose their jobs for, for losing there. And so, you know, they, they and again, they lose their jobs everywhere, but it, it just, it's, it's pro hockey compared to, to amateur hockey that's in the CHL. And the CHL, again, you're, you're looking at kids that, that, that when, if they went over to the, to the, the uh, Swedish League, probably one or two off each team would be lucky enough to, to play in that league. It's a, it's a very good league, and it's, it's, it's just a really tough league. I, it's very comparable to, to a Finnish league as well, an elite league there too. So that's why we think the growth of our players, those three of them, Stantel and, 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 uh, um, and, and with Dvorsky playing there as well, these guys are going to get well coached, and they're going to get a little bit of taste of pro hockey. It's not all offensive hockey. You have to play the right way to get your minutes, and, and they're going to have to earn their minutes. And we feel it's a good uh, stepping stone uh, to the NHL for them. One of my favorite aspects, and I can't wait for this moment, one of my favorite aspects, folks, of, of the year, believe it or not, is before game one of the preseason, we broadcast all the preseason games, Joe Vitale and I started doing this with Bill Armstrong a good number of years ago, and we did it with Tim last year is we sit down with Tim and we go through everybody in camp, all the young guys, and say, give us your thoughts on each of these guys. So we kind of get the scouting report. And I can't wait, Tim, to have that meeting again this year. It's, I, I, honestly, it's one of my favorites because it gives us a good idea. But one of these next times when I'm filling in again, I'm going to set you up. Maybe even if it's when you're in town, sit down and maybe do a whole hour show with you because I think the fans would love to hear more about each of the different guys from you. But I appreciate you giving us some time here on a Friday after what's been a busy couple weeks for you. Oh, thanks, Kerb. And I, again, I, I love talking about our young players. Uh, again, our staff has done an incredible job bringing these young kids in and, and looking forward to, to uh, uh, what the future holds for Blues hockey. It's going to be very exciting with all these young players coming and, and trying to make the Blues. Yeah, it will, it will be a lot of fun. Have a great rest of the summer. We'll see you in just a few weeks. Thanks, Kerb. You have a great day. You got it. That's Tim Taylor, Blues Director of Player Personnel. And in the true fashion and true honor of Tim McKernan and the way the balloon party should work, I've absolutely blown the show clock. All right, back in a moment. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You know how many pitchers in Cardinals history have won 50 games or more for the Cardinals? Not many. Well, we figure out the Millsy 50? 50. Turn, turn his mic on for me. So I, I took our young intern here, Brennan, I put his, uh, I put him to work here. I've had this thought in my head for a while. Who was the last Cardinals drafted? Uh, the last pitcher the Cardinals drafted to win 50 games for the Cardinals. Now, the most recently one, you know, Jack Flaherty, I think he's won 40 games total, right? Now, and I understand I understand how the win totals have changed and all that other stuff, but just, just win 50 games. And I thought, well, that'd be, you know, over, like over a f- five-year career if a starting pitcher just won 10 games. You'd get to 50. So that's why, that's why I picked that number randomly. There was no other reason for, for that. The most recent we found, obviously, were Lance Lynn, Jaime Garcia, and Michael Waka. All right, but you, you've been you've been going back through this, and from there, you, have you found anybody? Now, the key here's the key to this: the key parameter that I gave him is drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals. So Adam Wainwright doesn't count. Signed. Even as a young player, I know Adam Wainwright then came to us said, it doesn't count. Drafted is the key word here. All right. Bob Forsh is the only one you've come up there's, with so far? There's 48 players exactly that have 50 wins. Yeah. And I could only find like four or five of them that were drafted. Like, so, so we got those three, and then you got to go all the way back to Bob Forsh? Yeah. If it was blowing my mind, I... I Lynn, Did the Cardinals Garcia draft Walker? Andujar? Is Andujar under? I'll look. He's got my computer, so I can't help him look at this point. The um, anyway, but but that's the fascinating thing here. So Grant, when we were talking about just again ADHD radio, this is what I'm thinking this morning. Like, but like when we were talking about show prep on, on the say, on the show yesterday, and just hypotheses. You're like, okay, well, ten wins over a five year career. For a starting pitcher, shouldn't be something that should blow your mind all that much. But again, the key parameter that we put in there is drafted by. Did Bennis not have fifty wins? I'm going to double check this during the, during the next break, right? But but even so, the point is is in the history of the franchise, in 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 the in the history of the franchise. Right, and the Cardinals did not draft Andujar, but in, in the history of the franchise, drafted players that, that that just win you an average of ten games a year over the five years. And when we look at that total list, that that could have been that that could have, that, that list includes relievers. So to me, it sits there and say, well, maybe you, you could draft pitching better. Yeah, maybe, but it also shows you just how few players have actually gotten to that total. Uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals, which is really kind of more mind-boggling. So sometimes you go down a rabbit hole, and you're thinking, 
well, this hypothesis is this. And then you come out with something totally different uh, by the time you look it up. But just a fascinating approach there. How about this one? You look at the, the situation right now, and you've got players that are going into arbitration in the National Hockey League. Um, you know, one of the players that's, that, that filed for player-selected arbitration is Trent Frederick. Now, the Boston Bruins still have some signings and some things that they need to do. They've got two players with Trent and the goalie going into arbitration. If the goalie gets the, the a, a bigger deal... If Trent gets an award that's a certain amount, can the Boston Bruins afford to keep him? If not, does does Trent become, you know, a free agent? This is a player you know I would love to see in St. Louis from some of that jam that the St. Louis Blues need on the roster and stuff. So I, that's a storyline that I'm going to be following along this. But I, in, in looking at the salary cap and going in capfriendly.com, my reference point on this, the bottom eight, the so so Roger Hacker, Blues PR guy, help me out here. Uh, and Rod, Roger's dad, okay, Roger's dad was a Cardinals coach for a long time. Andy Bendis won, won 27 games. So, uh, you know, like, like again, have you anything else? Eddie, you, you, I looked at it, and yeah. um, I was on, people are saying Matt Morris, but he was drafted by the Brewers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting because I was looking at that, too. Was he redrafted by the Cardinals? Yes, he was redrafted by the Cardinals, I think, three years after he was drafted by okay, the Brewers. So that has to count. College, then, so or? that has to what count. Well, sometimes, like I think Lance Lynn, same thing. with Was Lance Lynn drafted by somebody? And then, one of these I'll recent ones drafted and then and then redrafted. But, okay, so Matt Morris. Matt Morris is a good one there. But I'm telling you, folks, it's not as many. It's just not as many as you think. You were you right. Know? Yeah, Lance Lynn was drafted by the Mariners in 2005, then the Cardinals in 2008. Yeah, so, so. like that, that's a um, the, the redraft that happens in baseball, a little bit different than the other sports uh, from that standpoint. But again, magic number. I, I don't know. Maybe that just shows you how hard it is to actually draft those guys. But then maybe when you have. Now, we know Garcia mentally was a bit loose. You know, should you have kept Waka? I still would have loved to have seen the Cardinals keep Lynn. You know, and and stick with them a little bit longer. But no one is, no one else has stepped up and said, "Hey, I, I'm worth, I'm worth averaging ten wins a year for you over a five year period." All right, look at the look on his face right now. Look at the look on his, like what did you find? <laughs> Lance Lynn is the most recent pitcher yeah. to have fifty or more wins uh-huh. that was drafted by the Cardinals. Yep, and it's seventy two. It's, it's 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 kind of an amazing number. All right, back to what I was talking about, the Blues uh, or the salary cap in the NHL. You know what's interesting about the Central Division? Of the eight teams, of the eight teams that are in the, the, the bottom eight teams from a salary cap standpoint, which means the eight teams with the most cap space, five of them are Central Division teams. So when you want to talk about a division that has left room to – Pull in. So, so when, when you've got players like Matt Dumba still unsigned, and some of these really, Vladimir Tarasenko still unsigned, when you've got some really good players that are still unsigned and that free agent market has really dried up, uh, where you could end up seeing some of these players come in on terrific team-friendly deals ends up being the Central Division. From a couple of days ago, the Chicago Blackhawks still had $17.9 million in cap space with 19 of 23 contracts done. So let's say, so with four contract spots available, Arizona, $15.5 million with five spots available. I think they just filled one in. Winnipeg, $8.5 million available with four spots. 
Minnesota, 8.2 million in cap space, despite the 14 million in dead space that they've got. Right, and they've got two: the Dallas Stars, no cap space. They're twenty-three of twenty. So Dallas, Colorado, and St. Louis are the three in the division that don't have a lot of cap space. The Blues at what uh, two and a half million or something like that. Colorado, no cap space is what Colorado, no cap space with only nineteen of twenty-three contracts filled. You know, like so they've got some jockeying to do yet. But from a cap standpoint, when you look at NHL free agents that are still out there, and there are still some good ones that are going to end up signing team-friendly deals like an Oscar Sundquist just signed. Now, it may not be just for $1 million a year, but it may not be an eight times eight. You know, look, Ryan O'Reilly. Tim Taylor talked. Remember Tim Taylor mentioned it? Brought it up. Older players have to decide, okay, I've made my money. Where am I going to go? Ryan O'Reilly signs a terrific deal with Nashville, right, four and a half times four. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see some of these top free agents that are still out there finding their way into the Central Division. Because there are teams, the Anaheim Ducks are still below the floor, but there are teams, in, and I know they're not in the Central Division, That again, ADHD radio, that's what just that's what happens to you here on Friday. Uh, but, but there are teams that have the space and could end up with some really team-friendly deals, so the competition in the Central Division could come back more. All right, we'll take our final break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the show, ADHD Radio. I took one of my daughter's ADHD medicine pills before a hockey game. Well, during the day of a game day this year. I'll tell you how that worked out when we come back. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Okay, Grant, you got a, so I've been calling today ADHD radio. And by the way, if you deal with ADHD like I do and you're offended by it, don't worry about it. In about six minutes, you're going to forget what the topic was. All right. That's a good joke. I don't care who you are. That's a good joke right there. All right. Um, and, and I don't care either. Before okay. you lose it. Yeah, before I lose it. Yeah, come back <laughs> we, to what pull me back in. We got a great text okay. from the 314. Curbs, ADHD, question mark. You forgot to discuss the captain. I know. We went down that other rabbit hole. Listen, welcome to my world here, okay? Because this is sometimes how the conversations go at home where I'll be talking to Christy about something, and she's gotten really good at this. She's gotten great at this. She doesn't say, like, I have just taken a left turn in the middle of a conversation. I see something, and I start talking about that, and we go there. And it could be 15 minutes later, she'll go, okay, what were you saying about this? I go, what do you mean? She goes, this. I go, I don't, and she, 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 she'll say, the last thing you said was this. Oh, yeah. And then we go back to that conversation. But this is one of the, this, I, have a, I have a lot of energy. I quit drinking caffeine 23, 24 years ago. If I need a nap, I take a nap. Um. My daughter, you know, deals with ADHD in school was a real struggle for her. And, uh, okay, so I talked to her doctor, and we finally, this year, we, we, we put her on ADHD medicine she takes during the week. And I talked to the doctor about it and 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 how it works and stuff like that. And the doctor says, look, she goes, it, it, it wears off. This is, this is how it's effective for kids, adults, whatever. And she says, you know, if you'd like... You you'll know if you try it. You know you can. And so so the moron texting me that once again re- read 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 the buttheads text. 
Oh, someone was just saying that yeah. you shouldn't talk about self-medicating, taking your daughter's ADHD medication on the radio. Yeah, you know what? You shouldn't talk. You shouldn't talk. First off, nobody says you shouldn't. Stop saying that. All right. Here's the deal. That that this is the problem with with morons like that. Okay. They have no idea. In one little tease, he thinks or she thinks that and and assumes that they know every conversation I've had with a doctor, every conversation about this. I mean, this was years worth of talking before we even decided to put my daughter on on the medicine, right? And and they assume they know it. They assume they know how I'm going to talk about it. Take your phone away. Somebody should take that person's phone away. Don't let them text, right? Okay. And that's going to lead to the quote that I'm going to end the show. So that guy, remember, that guy's the fly. If it's a, or that, that man or woman or whatever, they're the fly. And with the final quote that I give you to end the show today, that's, that's the fly. All right. So real quickly here, I'll go back to this. So I decided, okay, well, you know, if you've ever been up in the broadcast booth, things are scattered, things are going, things are going. And, and so I said, okay, well, this might be one of those things to try it. The clarity of what I felt was a me was 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 helpful in some aspects of it. Was it wasn't helpful in actually calling a hockey game like the focus part of it? Because what I learned is I actually need the lack of focus because there's so much going on to pick it up, right? And and to go. And so what I, I, I was seeing things, but then it was slowing me down and had me calm enough that I wasn't speaking. As fast and as quickly and couldn't get the emotion out as much as I wanted to do. Right. And uh, it was really quite a fascinating experiment that I had the doctor's permission on you fly. So, you know, it was uh, is and it was something else. Now, I could I could drink in caffeine all that long ago. I was dealing with some the heart was fluttering. I was actually about to do a game and I had to happen to go to the hospital in St. John, New Brunswick. Right. And uh, uh, came back. Somebody was just a fan was sitting down there calling the game. It's a, it's a story for another time. We're going to run out of time here on that one. But um, uh, and they couldn't really find anything. And I used to drink Coca Cola like people drink coffee, right? And I said, well, I'll just get rid. I drink four cokes a day, whatever. And I said I just get rid of caffeine. So about ten days, I, I was felt really slow, lethargic, had the caffeine headaches from withdrawal, and then about day eleven, boom, it's just natural energy. And I, now, now if if you're in an arena, it's really cold, and you go over and you take some decaffeinated coffee or something, and and it's baloney because they, they just put the caffeinated one in, in that one. And I take it, man, my hand will start shaking. I'm like a prairie dog waiting for the earthquake, and I can feel that tremor coming about an hour ahead. Um, I'm going to apologize to the 314. Yeah, we were going to talk about the Blues captain thing. Um, to me, I think it should be Braden Shen. I don't have time to get into really the rest of it as to um, uh, as, as, as to what it is. But to me, to me, I think you need a captain. When I think of one of the more underrated captains uh, around the National Hockey League, I think of Gabriel Landeskog and how he plays, and and I think Braden Shen is very much like that. To, should should Brendan Braden Shen knows when he's got to drop the gloves, he knows when he's got to throw the big hit, he knows that stuff, and and I think, and and he's a little more vocal and some energetic, and we're going to need that there. Uh, he's a guy that understands the history. He's shown respect for the history uh, of this team. Um, and and I think that, and especially with him having so much time left on his contract, to me, Braden Shen is that guy because he can lead by example on the ice. He can be fiery vocally if he needs to be, and it, it makes sense to do that. Look at, for example, the leadership he shows with with Jake Neighbors sticking around with him. So 
Maybe next week we'll talk when when Alex Ferrario comes in here. I'll I'll tell him to put a note down because he's much better at this. And uh, I'll say, hey, next Wednesday when I come on with you and BK, let's talk about the captaincy for the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, definitely make a note of it. So on Friday, I'm teasing next Wednesday. How's that? We'll do that one. All right, I got to wrap this show up. Millsy, thank you very much. Great work in there, Grant. Thanks for putting a great week. Uh, Tim McKernan will be back with you on Monday, so we'll get the balloon party back to back to where it needs to be. Um, so I mentioned that texture. I called that texture the fly. Right. Here's the quote I'm going to send you into your weekend with. Okay. Bees don't waste time telling flies that honey is better than. Sh- Have a good weekend. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.